Greetings, everyone, and welcome to HPAC On The Air, the monthly podcast of HPAC Engineering Magazine. Our guest this month is Mr. Jim Pauley, President and CEO of the National Fire Protection Association, where he is also Chairman of the Board of the NFPA Research Foundation. Prior to joining NFPA in, in 2014, Pauley had spent 30 years in the electric and energy industry, serving the last several of those years as Senior Vice President of External Affairs and Government Relations at Schneider Electric. An electrical engineer by training, Jim has also served the industry in a number of other leadership positions, mo perhaps most notably as chair of the American National Standards Institute. So Jim, welcome to HPAC On The Air. Thanks, Rob. It is great to be with you today. <laughs> Likewise. Now, uh, Jim, thanks very much for your time here and visiting with HPAC On The Air and our audience, especially ahead of, uh, I guess, just your big annual conference is coming up uh, just next month in Boston. Um, I think this is your first time meeting in person again since the start of the pandemic. So, I don't know. Could you could you please describe a little bit about the uh, uh, the feeling for that and how NF, NFPA as an organization navigated the last uh, these last two unusual years for sure? Sure, and and I have to tell you, I'm so excited to be back in person for our conference. We have been uh, sort of on a hiatus for two years because of the pandemic, and uh, that that's been painful because it. It's the place where we get to see so many of our stakeholders face-to-face. -face. Uh, you know, it's our big event. We have uh, quite a few thousand people that show up. But your question about what we do over these two years is actually kind of interesting. Uh, like most organizations, you found yourself having to pivot very quickly. Uh, last year was NFPA's 125th anniversary. Uh, we're going to kind of culminate that celebration in Boston this year. We were founded in Boston in 1896. So it's it's fitting that we sort of culminate that celebration, but we really got concerned about how are we gonna stay connected with folks? And I think uh, like a lot of people did, we began to pivot even more quickly towards the digital environment and what that meant. We had a essentially a 12 month long series of a webinar every month that featured some pretty major topics, uh, electrical being one month, uh, first responders, uh, wildfire, um, you know, suppression, a lot of different topics through the month to give us a way to try to stay connected with our stakeholders since we weren't doing our big conference that was in person. And it worked out quite well, but it's not the same as being in person. And so uh, Boston's gonna be really important for that. And I think like a lot of your listeners probably, we did a lot of pivoting and other things. Uh, online learnings that we did in our training programs grew by leaps and bounds with that. We've, we actually have created some incredible programs that have you know, 3D animations in it and more immersive experiences. And, and so the pandemic for all of the bad things that it did for us, some real good things came out of it. And our pivot to digital environment really went, we were on that path, but that really sped it up much quicker. Yeah, it seems, and so these are things that will uh, that will last after the pandemic for sure, right? Are are you going to continue in the future? Oh, ab absolutely. We see uh, we see online learnings being a thing that's going to be here to stay. People have realized they can get really good quality training, you know, either at their office or at their home or at different hours during the day, and I think that has become very meaningful to folks. We also launched a huge uh, digital platform called NFPA Link which is where all of our codes and standards are, expert commentary, our handbook material, uh, and a lot of ancillary material that not only gives people access to the codes and standards, but it gives them access to a lot of material to help them better understand and apply our codes and standards. So again, we sped that process up and that's, that's really our flagship platform going forward that, that was introduced during the pandemic. Okay. 
Actually, let me just jump over to, um, I know at one point we're gonna talk about NFPA exchange a little bit. How does NFPA link and NFPA exchange uh, uh, work together? I know you launched, that was something else you launched, I guess, before the pandemic or actually way back in 2016. Right. And, uh, to, to link members and, and, uh, um, and stakeholders as well. But how, how, is there, how do those two work together? Yeah, so it's a, it's a great question. And, and they're, um, in today's world, they're really two sort of separate platforms, although I see a lot of these things coming together more into the future and giving a more seamless experience to folks. NFPA Link is really about information and knowledge access, right? It starts with our codes and standards at the heart of it. I mean, we do 325 plus different codes and standards now. We started in 1896 with one. That was the <laughs> sprinkler standard, uh, followed quickly by the electrical code, and, and it's grown from there. So Link is really about you being able to be on your phone, on your tablet, at your computer, at your laptop, and have all of this information at your fingertips that's around our codes and standards and the subjects. Exchange is about community. And community that with exchanges, how do we get like-minded folks together to be able to talk to each other about similar problems, similar solutions? So exchange is really, uh, it's focused on NFPA members. Uh, Non-members can certainly have access to parts of exchange, but the member experience is much deeper. And we've got people talking to each other. I saw one uh, actually just today that was posted asking about Guy asking really thoughtful questions about personnel protective equipment and NFPA 70E, which are, is our electrical safety workplace standard. He was asking very thoughtful questions. What have you guys run into this, right? What have you seen? And other members are responding to him and answering those questions. And so exchange was really about uh, that community aspect of it. And by the way, we carried some of that same thinking into Link from the standpoint that the cool thing about Link is if you're part of a company or uh, some organization, you can have a team or an enterprise subscription that you can actually share information with each other. So your notes on the codes and standards, your, your particular things that you've shared, share a piece of the code text with somebody and say, hey, this was the thing I was talking about on this job that we've got a problem with or that we need them to be able to go address. So we've created a bit of that community inside of Link with respect to information sharing. Okay, so that and and so and exchange continues as well, and and uh, so they are, uh, yep. they will help each other. It seems like it it, it will exchange. Uh, it, we now have an app out for exchange, so it's easy to get to on your platform. But it's about connecting to other NFPA members and other people in the industry. Link, like as I mentioned, links much more about that codes and standards ecosystem and environment and the material around it. Now is link. Uh, was Link introduced, uh, was not gonna be introduced at this show, but it's, it's been introduced in the last, just the last couple of years? Well, well, we, the big plan was, it was gonna be the big flagship introduction during our 125th uh, anniversary last year. Okay. Obviously we didn't get to do that. The product still rolled out mm -hmm. um, and, and has been very successful. But if you come to the show this year, you will see Link sort of everywhere in this. And what we're asking folks is come learn more about it. Or if you're already a subscriber, come and tell us what you've learned and share with our staff your thoughts and your experiences. And we're finding that information to be valuable for other users, for improvements for the platform. Uh, it, it really is something we're quite proud of and, and will, again, becomes the flagship platform for us. That sounds, that, that sounds exciting as well. And, and, uh, and as you're talking about the, the event just coming up next month, uh, could you give us a bit of a preview of that and with, uh, 
what attendees and exhibitors can expect to find there and, and just uh, are there particular any particular big news that, that's that's being planned for for this uh, this particular one so a few things uh, on the big news front this is where we will introduce the theme for fire prevention week uh, that'll happen in October so I, I can't reveal that now but that'll be the big reveal of the theme uh, that that will happen at our conference and expo for people that show up at the event it's really interesting Rob we thought, how's it going to go getting back in person? And, you know, do exhibitors, do people that exhibit at shows, are they ready to get back to shows or are they staying away from shows? I, I got to tell you, I just looked at the exhibit floor plan a little while ago and it's filling up uh, pretty rapidly. So we're going to have a huge number of exhibits that will be there. We have over 110 education sessions that people can pick from uh, and be able to choose whether you're in electrical or public education or fire alarm or suppression, you, you know, all of your medical, uh, you know, healthcare, all of your areas uh, that will be there. We will also, um, as I said, Link will play very prominently um, when we get there. And exhibitors are really across the game. We've had a number of first time exhibitors that are coming, which I found to be incredible in sort of post pandemic. I wasn't expecting that, but it's a really pleasant surprise that we're seeing on the exhibit floor. So um, it'll culminate with our technical session uh, that'll happen on Wednesday afternoon and Thursday. That's where our members get a weigh in on the codes and standards that are up for review. Um, you know, I, I don't know that I, I could properly describe the big news out of it, but the National Electrical Code is one of those. Always a lot of activity around the NEC. That document has so much public input and public comment and people really be there to sort of get their last pieces of discussions in on the 2023 version of the National Electric Code. NFPA 25 on inspection, testing, and maintenance of sprinkler systems will be there. Um, NFPA 855 is going through its revision cycle and will be up, and that's on energy storage systems, which as you can imagine in this world has become a very popular standard, um, but it's all focused around fire protection for energy storage systems. So those committees have been busy at work, I'm sure if you had, if you were talking to people on those committees, they would say, we have great, you know, things that are coming forward. We have controversies we're going to talk about. And that is just the beauty, I think, of the codes and standards process is that it brings a lot of people together to have robust discussion. And at the end, you know, this open consensus process we do arrives at some great, great information. Mm -hmm. No, it sounds, uh, it sounds like it's going to be a pretty packed show um, in many ways. Now, is this, I noticed from the website or that there's a, certainly an international component to all of this as well. It seems like, and I imagine that'll be, that'll be taking place at the show. As it well. will. I was, the, my, my staff just informed me a week ago, we have people coming from 69 different countries that's going to be at the show. And um, it, it is a hallmark event. I, when I came to NFPA, you mentioned when 2014, when I came I'd been involved with NFPA for a really long time I, in the electrical world. So I knew the organization, knew what they did. I knew they did international and had a global footprint. I didn't realize how well-respected and broad the NFPA brand was until I got here and I started traveling around the globe. And so now that we're back in the conference, we've got people from as far away as Australia. We've got folks from from all the a number of the South American countries. We've got folks from the Middle East, from Europe. Uh, from the Nordic countries, I, it, it, it's, uh, it's a melting pot of fire protection discussions. And I, I'm extremely proud of it and quite impressed with it at the same time. 
Well, very good. Um, and I guess just, just speaking of that, uh, of the in compelling issues wherever, you know, from uh, across the world or, or in the US here, one in particular that, that stood out uh, earlier this year, I guess the US building owners um, received kind of a tragic wake up call, I guess, that, that maybe you talked about in, in your January blog, I think, but from the uh, uh, the deadly apartment fires that were in in, uh, in Philadelphia and the Bronx. Actually, that's I'm, I'm from the Bronx, so that that hit home too. And, um, but where I think 29 residents died, including 16 children. Yes. Fires. Now, at the time, uh, you had written in your own blog that uh, at NFPA that uh, you hoped the shock of those two tragedies would would rouse us um, from overconfidence and complacency. I think and and lead to uh, quote, needed changes and more awareness. Now, in the last uh, four or five months or so, can, can you say, update us on, on any, any signs of progress in those areas? Yeah, Rob, it was, a, it was a tragic way to start the new year. Um, and, and, and tragic in so many ways. Going back to your point about the blog, what, what I said about the complacency piece, and this is something that we've been talking about for some time. One, over the decades, We've done a we've done a good job with fire, right? Fire deaths are down compared to where they were in the '60s and '70s, mm -hmm. and so forth. And uh, you know the amount of loss is down. But what that's also happened with is a is a view, both among the public and among you know building owners and and others of well, I won't have a fire. I didn't see one last week, so you know I'm not going to have one this week. And, and it is a bit of the problem that we're doing a lot more education for folks to overcome. And that, you know, you need to be prepared. And yes, fires do and are going to happen. There's an interesting statistic that I can give you in, in home fires. Back in a few decades ago, if you had a home fire, because the building materials that were used, the type of furnishes and so forth, you had about 17 minutes, right, before that thing was going to go to flashover. Today, in these open floor plans, modern building materials, much more petroleum-based, ultimately petroleum-based products that are in furnaces and so forth, it's down to three minutes. Fire department response times are typically seven to eight to nine minutes. And those are really, really good response times. So when fire happens, it can often be very tragic. And so um, it has begun Unfortunately, from tragedy, which I wish would never happen, you always try to see what can rise up out of tragedy that can be for good. New York, especially, there's been a lot of activity up there um, of them trying to pass some bills, both at the, the state level and at the city level, um, you know, doing a lot of things, uh, trying to address penalties for violations of building and fire code standards. And that was a bit of the problem we ran into is door closures not working, right? And look, you have a fire in one unit, and the door stays open and the door stays open to the stairwell, you're gonna get rapid spread through that. But codes and standards take that into account. It's why we have automatic closures on those doors. So when you go through them, right, the door closes back. Those hadn't been maintained in some cases. So they're looking at how do we, how do we make sure we're doing penalties for folks that aren't staying up to the standards? How do we make sure we're updating our fire codes more frequently um, will expand the remedies for code violations that people can do. So um, the, the fire department of New York has been very involved in these and very active at, at pushing these items forward. And in Philadelphia, I think less activity on sort of the governmental side, right, this one, but, but I know the fire chief in Philadelphia 
as you know, personally taking these things on and saying, how is it that we're going to improve the education of our public? And, and one of the challenges in our country, you know, and is our age, is our age of our housing stock. Mm-hmm. And and for the government will say, you hear this everywhere about housing being a problem. But from a fire perspective, this older, older housing is a multiplier effect of a problem. And so it is something that I think government's going to have to, to address. But we're spending a lot of time with the public to get over the complacency piece. You know, people do have fires. And often when they have them, they're tragic um, fires that occur. So um, that's one of the things we've worked on for a really long time. We're going to continue to work on. That, that statistic that you cited before is, is pretty jarring. Um, is that, was that, is that residential? Yeah, yeah, speaking of residential in a broad sense, okay. I, I, the, the data that we have available is more around single family residential. But as you can imagine, you get in some of the older housing stock and some of the materials that are used and some of the furnishings, are, you know, you get, you get, similar, you get similar results in our, uh, every one of these fires first responders are responding quickly, mm-hmm. right? They're, they're responding with the, the, the heroic efforts that they always do. And yet they see the tragedy unfold with people that are dying in these fires. And I, I can't tell you, for people that haven't been close to our first responders and our firefighters who have had to suffer through those losses, it's tragic for them to see these losses unfold. And so they take it, they take it a bit personally um, you know, on that front. And it's, it's the reason why we love the folks that go to the fires, but we're all spending more time talking about how can we prevent them so that they don't have to go. Well, thanks very much for your time here, Jim. I, as, as an engineer yourself, I guess just wanted to uh, talk with you in the last part, I guess, about the, when you're talking about getting personal, I guess. And now you stepped into this role at, at uh, full-time at NFPA in 2014 after more than a de- decade at, at, at Schneider Electric. Um, and that also included your, your, your service at, at, uh, as chair at the American National Standards Institute. So you're trained as electrical engineer, spent more than two decades in the private sector. Um, you know, many might be retiring or thinking of retiring at this point. <laughs> well, what, so what's driven you to devote the balance of your career like this to, to public service and, and public safety? So, so, so I think two things. Well, by the way, in the electrical industry, if you take my time at, at Square D, which Schneider acquired Square D uh, back in 91, actually almost 30 years, um, you, you know, with them. And, and so when I tell you that right on top of Innopay, it makes it sound like I'm even closer to retirement, <laughs> you know, from that perspective. But your point about um how do you, you know, what about devoting your career to to this piece of it? So even when I was with Schneider, the role that I had, one of the things that my, my, part of my teams did was this involvement in codes and standards. And what you realize when you do that for a number of years is it's making a difference in how you protect people and property. Participating in that process, lending your expertise to that process does make a difference in the results. And so I did that for a long time. I was on NFPA technical committees. I was on their standards council. I, you know, I was a member, I was a customer, however you want to look at it. And that's where that, that really began. My dad was an electrician. I actually grew up as an electrician and uh, we were from Kentucky. And I got to tell you the satisfaction, even in that role at solving somebody's dangerous wiring problem that they were going to be safer when you could do that had a lot of meaning to it. 
And so it carried on through the NFPA piece. And I, I Schneider was a great company. I, I didn't really have a compelling reason to, to, to leave, yet this opportunity with NFPA became available. And we live, breathe every day doing things that ultimately are focused on helping to save lives and helping to better protect property. And that's a pretty good place to be. I mean, I have, I have an organization um, that has to work hard, that has to function like a business because we're a self-funded nonprofit. We don't do this by donations or government contributions. So we have to generate revenue. So it has to work like a business. It's great to be able to do that though. And everything that you're doing is layering up to that idea that you're helping people, you're helping protect property. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a satisfying way to spend a career. And not everybody gets to call that a career. And I've had a privilege of being able to. Now, when you talk about your father there, I guess, and the, the next generation uh, idea pops up and, and do you see that within NFBA or within the industry? Are there um, engineers or, or, or other young folks like yourself uh, that, are, that are in the pipeline, I guess, to uh, continue this, uh, this service? Would you say? So this, this, this is a great question. I, I, think, it's a, I think it's a problem. Uh, right? I think it's a problem on two fronts. One is um, often to participate in codes and standards process, you know, these people are employed, they have a day job. So their company or their organization or their contracting firm or their business has to understand the value of this overall and the value of giving back with that to allow people to be able to participate in the process. And I think we've lost some of that over the last um, decade or so. When I was with Schneider and Square D, this was in the DNA of what we did, right? So it wasn't a question mark of whether or not we would participate or lend our expertise. And the company understood that. Um, I think other companies and other organizations, uh, you know, could, could learn a bit of that, that same lesson. Uh, because you look around in the world of the technical committees that we run, and this is not just true for NFPA, it's true broadly across this. A lot of folks that have gray hair or no hair, uh, you know, like me, uh, that that have been doing this for a while, and we need folks coming behind them. And and I'm a big fan of this discussion going on right now about how important the trades are, right? And and yes, I spent time in the trade, and I went to college, so I got to experience both sides of that. But I tell you what, electricians and plumbers and HVAC. Uh, you know, technicians and, and practitioners. and We need more and more of those. There's a huge shortage that's out there today. And those are folks that if we can get them in early, they are people that will participate in this codes and standards process because they learn early, they do want to give back. And, um, but, but we, our industry, as well as all industries has got to stay focused on this. And it's about allowing people the time to do it and explaining to people the benefit of them doing it. And if we can marry those two things together, um, you know, I think it's, uh, I think it's going to be a win-win situation for both sides. Well, I certainly hope so. And it seems like uh, things are being positioned in that way. I'm sure that'll be a, a topic in, in Boston as well. But, uh, well, Jim, thanks very much for, for your time here today. I think that's probably all we have time for. And uh, thanks so much for joining us on HPAC on the air this month. Hopefully we can touch base with, with you again next fall or, or, or next spring even, I guess, about where, where things are. And, yeah, I'd love to. Uh, yeah, we'd love, love to have you. And folks, if you want to listen to what, if you like what you heard here today, uh, please share with your colleagues and, and uh, listen to other episodes of HPAC on the air. Uh, please visit our members only section on our website, hpac.com. So thanks again for joining us today. Thank you, Jim. 
Happy to be here. Thank you. Thanks. And please, uh, everybody, please stay safe out there. And we'll, we'll see you next time. Thank you.